On May 27th, the First Nations community was shaken when the remains of 215 First Nations children were found in unmarked graves on what was once a residential school in Kamloops, BC. Some of the children were as young as three years old. These are the voices of our First Nations, pained by the loss, frustrated by systemic racism and oppression, and the stories of survivors who lived through horrific conditions at these schools. Ray Coco Stevenson is a well-known traditional singer and drummer from Manitoba. He shared his thoughts and feelings upon hearing the news of the 215 children and the devastating effect residential schools have had on survivors living in Winnipeg. Dante, Anin, I greeted you in both Cree and Ojibwe because that is the background that I have. Um, I was given the name and ceremony, which is Pimo Mayangun in the Ojibwe language, and that means walking wolf. My English name is Ray Stevenson, a.k.a. Coco, that everybody kind of knows me as here in Treaty 1 territory. And today we're, we're going to talk and we're going to uh, take a look at the 215 uh, that were found in an unmarked grave, kind of hidden in the residential school in Kamloops. And, you know, uh, this is something that is uh, part of our history of who we are as First Nations people that a lot of Canada doesn't even know about. There's a lot of history of very similar graves across Canada that were discovered that nobody ever talked about. It is a very tragic thing that we had little ones ages three years old and up buried in those graves, mass graves that they have over there. I'm saddened for that, but in a way, I'm also a little bit happy only because of the fact that it is getting the recognition now that it never got before, not only across Canada, but even the world since this came out last week. I think and I feel bad for the families that had to deal with situations like this in BC. But I also feel bad about other families across the country that had to deal with the same situation that were never brought to public or recognized. I know in the past I've seen different stories about mass grave sites at residential schools that you never heard about. And it's not like the government didn't know because they would have known. And it's not like the churches wouldn't have, wouldn't have known because they were the one responsible for putting those kids in those graves. You know, part of who we are as First Nations people, when it comes to our spirituality, is to be able to recognize and acknowledge all of those lives. If I'm not mistaken, 
in BC, what they did is they had ceremony to do exactly that, to acknowledge and recognize those little ones that were buried in that massive grave. I've also heard stories of Ontario doing the same thing with some of the graves that they found. I've heard stories of, of, of situations like that that nobody ever knew about, nobody ever heard about. So I'm glad what happened in BC got the exposure that it did for the rest of Canada to know and the rest of the world to know the true history for us and the residential school since it's been in existence. When it comes to things like that, there are so many different stories with the National uh, Truth and Reconciliation tra traveled across Canada and they got so many different stories that were documented. And that's based right here in Manitoba, right? Actually on, on campus at the University of Manitoba. National Truth and Reconciliation Building is there. They have a bunch of information that people could educate themselves about and they could probably share some of the stories that they documented when it came to the truth and reconciliation. I think uh, Murray Sinclair was the one who uh, steerheaded that and was in charge of that. But you know, there's a long history and I'm glad uh, that this is finally coming out and I'm glad that the government and all across Canada, you know, uh, I was looking on, on social media and uh, the mayor of Winnipeg was one of the first ones to talk about raising half mass the flags at, at City Hall. Following the city of Winnipeg, then not too long after the, the province, the legislative building said that they would do the same thing. And they also lit up in orange at the legislative building in honor of, of, of those 215 that were found. I think there's a huge history that all of our children should know and understand what we had to go through as First Nations people and some of the effects that it is still we still have to deal with today, you know, because of the residential school. And, you know, we talk about abuse, you know, and we're talking about physical, sexual, um, starvation, you know, and now murder. And, and, and that's what I'm going to call it, murder, you know, because if you're going to starve a kid to death, to me, that's murdering them. And there were stories documented about that. I remember just reading yesterday is how some of the residential school kids would have to go milk cows and goats, yet they were never given that opportunity to taste that. Everything that they had when it came to milk was always powdered. They never got that. And there are so many documented stories right now today that I think people really need to educate themselves. You know, And I think Canada as, as a whole should implement that all across Canada for the schools to be able to have a better understanding 
of us and some of the tragedies that we had to deal with throughout the years. There is so much history there that the churches don't want you to know about. The government doesn't want you to know about. And to me, this being exposed like it was last week, I'm hoping and I'm crossing my fingers. It's just the start of something even bigger that can span all across Canada. And I think and I'm hoping that the government and the churches do take responsibility and admit that, yes, it happened. And also probably say sorry. I mean, they said the government said sorry already once before. But, you know, to me, sorry is not good enough. <laughs> you know, it's not good enough. And, yeah, you can compensate people for, for a lot of stuff. And a lot of our residential school uh, survivors were compensated. But there are a lot that weren't because they didn't even make it home. You know, I am grateful that I am here today along with my wife and a lot of other relatives, there's not one family across Canada that hasn't suffered any kind of the, no, suffered the effects of residential school. You know, when I talk about that and I talk about the, 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 our elders and that's who they are now, they're our elders, right? And the ones that are still with us, they have a lot of bad memories of some of the abuse that was taking place back then. And one of the ways that they had to deal with that was consuming drugs or mostly alcohol was, was available at that time, you know, and when you, when you have to deal with that in, in that kind of way, you know, you're never in your right frame of mind while you were under the influence of alcohol. I can only speak for Winnipeg, you know, I can't speak for the rest of Canada, but I can only speak for Winnipeg, but we did have a lot of people who ended up losing everything because of that having families where they couldn't look after their own children because they were too uh too involved in in drowning their sorrows or some of the things that they had to endure while being in residential school because you know what that's something that you will never forget it, it's planted in your mind and you will never forget that and i, I I'm almost positive when you talk to residential school survivors, every day, at least one, two, or even more thoughts of back then come back and I guess you would say haunt you, you know, and, and that's what it is, you know. Uh, and when you have your children and you do raise them and you have to deal and you've dealt with that, with the consuming alcohol to be able to move forward and keep going, then your children have to deal with some of the effects of you being under the influence and some of the things that you do while you're being while you are under the influence. A lot of fighting within the homes, a lot of physical abuse within the homes because of the alcohol. And that's just one thing, you know, and that's the next generation after those residential schools. Uh, survivors and the ones that aren't with us today you know they had a lot of anger within them because of where they were and where they came from and a lot of that anger and a lot of those emotions came out and sometimes they came out physically sometimes they came out in different ways 
you know, I remember hearing stories where some, some, some of my friends, you know, uh, their, their grandparents or their parents, they would say, you know, I was never told I love you. Never by, by my parents or by my dad or by my mom. And, you know, uh, I don't know my language. My mom and dad did, but when they went to residential school, they lost it because they weren't allowed to speak it. And now that cycle of our language is gone. You know, the ceremony, the, the, our ceremonies that we've had, and we still do today, mind you, thank goodness, but a lot of our traditional way of life and how we see things in the spiritual realm and with our spirit, you know, uh, that was trying. That was that was uh, taken away, and we're lucky that we did have some people that were be were able to go away and preserve a lot of our culture, our ceremonies, our language, and that's what people did a long time ago. They would run away to the mountains. They would run away and hide in the mountains so they can preserve a lot of stuff that we have, and that was brought back after. We have a ceremony that was banned. We have songs, we have dances that we weren't allowed to do because the government said so. But that is all coming back. You know, if you take a look at Winnipeg itself, 30, 35 years ago, you were lucky to find 10 dancers that dance power. You were lucky to find one or two people that would actually know how to conduct a ceremony called a sweat lodge. Now we have literally hundreds, if not thousands of young people all through the school divisions, singing and dancing powwow, learning about their culture. But that's one thing that, that I really do like, the fact that some of the schools are doing that. However, when it comes to teaching our next generation, I am a strong believer and if you're going to teach it, you better be able to walk the walk and talk the talk. Because a lot of times when people want to teach cultural things, they don't practice it themselves. But they're told they have to within Manitoba, our school divisions and universities. So I, and I've worked in a school for 25 years. And I know and I've told people over and over and over again at the schools, we have so much of a history that has not been told and I've always brought up for years, the residential schools, because they don't know. You know what, when you hear about the history of the Jews and what they had to go through and all the other places that were overtaken by, by other Europeans, you know, they were in camps. They were brutally tortured and murdered. And, you know, when you hear about what happened last week, uh, it, it kind of makes you open your eyes and wonder because now a lot of Canada that didn't know two weeks ago now do know because of the publicity that was given. And I think it's about time that we got that publicity for the whole world to know, for them to be able to understand who we are as a First Nations people here on, in Canada, and some of the things that we had to, major obstacles that we had to overcome in order to get to where we are today. And those steps are being made, 
And, you know, I've heard people say, well, you know what, just get over it. That was a long time ago. That's got nothing to do with me. I wasn't even around back then. Well, you can't get over it because it's almost like a ripple effect of some of the things that happened to you because of your parents and your grandparents and the way that they brought you up because of where they were and having to deal with those effects. Now we have, yes, and you know what, the, the government, you know, I think I think the government uh, all across and and if I'm not mistaken, even in uh, Ottawa, they 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 made uh, they they might have been doing flags at half mass now too, but you know, I mean that's 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 one thing to say. Yeah, okay, we recognize that, we acknowledge that, but what about the rest of it? Are you going to say you know okay? for all of our First Nations so we can have closure on this matter. And, and I wouldn't even call it closure, but you know what? It would be somewhat of a closure just to be able to find out where these other graves are across Canada. And if they have a machine that can go across the surface and see under it and see exactly what's there without disturbing anything like they did in BC, they should be able to take that machine to all the different residential schools and find out if there are any more. So that way, those people in that community and the surrounding area of the students that went there and their families can properly look after them and acknowledge them and have a ceremony for them to be able to, what, what would you say? Uh, there's a... You know, for us as First Nations people, there's certain processes that we have to take when it comes to death, right? You know, uh, in, in order for them to be able to lead a good life on the other side, which we call the spirit world, which is another way of saying heaven, right? And then, you know, and there are different tribes throughout North America that say, you know what? Sometimes those spirits don't make that journey. And that's why we have that ceremony so that the ones that are stuck here can make it to that other place. And that's, that's, that's something that's quite common uh, across Turtle Island, actually, North America. Is, uh, and there are ceremonies that actually started because of that. You know, but I, I, I strongly do believe that the government... And, you know, I think the First Nations could probably even do it themselves. I mean, you take a look at all of the First Nations across Canada, and I don't know how many different First Nations we do have, but I do know we have Treaty 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. I don't know how high that goes and how many different uh, reserves belong to each treaty. I know Treaty Number 1 has seven First Nations. I don't know about the rest. But if those First Nations amongst that treaty territory were to take it upon themselves and say, you know what? If the government's not going to do it, we're going to do it because we'll be waiting for another 50 years before the government gets done. But we don't want to wait that long. We want it done today. You know, and that's unfortunately, that's what happens. People wait and wait and wait and wait for the government to step up and say, okay, you know what, we're going to give you $100 million to be able to take a look and see if we have any other things that can take place. Uh, you know, here's $100 million for each First Nation to have 
and split up it evenly so that you can actually get those people to come and take survey underneath where those residential schools were to find out if there are any graves there. So that's what accountability looks like uh, to you from those in power, providing resources or at least the equipment to find the graves of these lost children? You know what? I think that that that's, that's definitely a st- step in the right direction because that eliminates uh, the questions that are all that are all over a place. Is there somebody buried there? Is there a thousand people or 500 people buried their kids from the residential school? Because if you look at the news, a lot of that wasn't even documented. So they don't even know who they are. And then if you take a look at some of the interviews that they did with some of the people in BC, you know, some of the people that did go to that school said, well, we heard stories, but the stories that we heard is that they ran away and we never saw them again. That's the way and one of the things that they used to be able to cover up once one, one of the kids passed away that were in their care as a residential school. And because, you know, do you want to have that blood on your hands as the government? Do you want to have that blood on your hands as the church? To say, look at what we did. This horrendous thing that we did, this tragic thing, this awful thing that we did to our First Nations people here in Canada. Nobody wants, nobody wants to point, nobody wants to be blamed for that. Nobody wants to take accountability for that. And that's why it was never talked about or brought up earlier. Only now. Because of this, we finally got the exposure that we needed for the rest of the world to know, and especially Canada. So now that we know, let's finish it. This is just the start. Let's finish it. Let's go all across Canada and see how many more lives are sitting there that are unaccounted for, the ones that are not documented. And then after that is done, you know, can we have the government, can we have the churches say, you know what? Yes, this did take place. We are sorry. We are not proud of what happened. But now that we know, you know, and sorry is not going to be good enough. I mean, it'll never be good enough, right? But at least they can acknowledge the fact that it happened. You know, and that's a big part of it, acknowledging the fact that it happened. You know, because they don't even want to acknowledge it. But now they got no choice. Maybe another thing to add is we need to care for the the survivors. Well, absolutely. You know what? Absolutely. There's, I mean, that's almost like a given. We have to be able to. and And you know what? As a First Nation society, we've 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 had to uh, live the experience of the aftermath of the effects, right? So we've been living with that and dealing with that ever since uh, it started, you know. But you know, and and for me, you know, we have a lot of people. We have a lot of people that are First Nations people 
that are divided amongst ourselves. And that's when it comes to church and traditionalism, right? Living, living a traditional way of life and um, some of those people that are born again Christians, if, that was, if that's what you want to call them, uh, also had relatives that went to residential schools. You know, also were people that uh, had to get their language taken away and, and things like that. So, you know, in order for them to be able to become Christians and belong to the church, they need to be able to, I guess you can say, forgive the church. Forgive the church so that they can actually belong to it. <laughs> if the, uh, but that's true. You know what? That's true. I mean... And when you went when you went to residential schools and and you know you weren't allowed to do anything as far as being a First Nations person when it comes to your language, ceremony, culture, anything, you weren't allowed to do all that. Yeah, the relationship between uh, settled peoples and churches is very complicated. Yeah. So you know what? There's 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 a lot that still needs to be done, in my opinion. There's a lot of work that needs to be done. And I think moving forward, we have to close this chapter or continue, continue looking into this issue so we can have an answer. You know, uh, you're not going to be able to move forward uh, unless you can close certain chapters in your life, right? And maybe, and maybe this could be one chapter that can help uh, some of our survivors that are still around with us, hopefully before they pass on, help them close uh, this chapter that they had to deal with their whole life. Yeah. And a first step in true reconciliation. Yeah. Yeah. You can't have true reconciliation unless you have the spirit there with it. And that's what I was told from elders. You know what? Your spirit needs to be there. And when your spirit is there, then you can have your true reconciliation. And that, to me, that's what uh, reconciliation is about is is having your spirit involved in all of the decisions that move forward and that comes from a good kind-hearted place with nothing to hide and nothing but straightforwardness when it comes to dealing with each other um yeah so you know that's 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 just the way uh that that i've learned over the years 